Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello, empaths. We're so excited to have you join us this week. How would you like to go to school and learn everything you want to learn about auras, meditation, angels, and so much more? Sounds fun, doesn't it? Well, joining us on the show today, we have Dimitri Moraitis, who co-founded the Spiritual Arts Institute with Barbara Martin in 2005. And together, they formed the Seven Spiritual Arts Program, which is a training course where students study metaphysics to accelerate their spiritual growth. He's also the author of several best-selling books, such as Change Your Aura, Change Your Life, Communing with the Divine, Karma and Reincarnation, the Healing Power of Your Aura, and their latest book, Heaven and Your Spiritual Evolution. Welcome to the show, Dimitri. We're happy to have you here. Well, thank you for having me on. It's a delight to be here. You know, your school sounds a little bit like a spiritual Hogwarts for adults. <laughs> you know, somebody <laughs> called it that once. <laughs> um, you know, metaphysics is an ancient art, and... Um, when I first started in my journey, um, you know, I didn't even know what metaphysics was. Interesting enough, I was pursuing a career in the arts, in movies and television and things like that. And Barbara was teaching individually, you know. And then when we started working together, she had over time these, you know, encyclopedia of notes because she worked a lot from inspiration. Eventually, we said, we got to organize this. And it became the foundation of the courses and the classes. Of course, new new things are coming in um, for all that we do at the Institute. So uh, metaphysics is a little bit like learning to play a musical instrument or learning a language. You know, you can spend a weekend and have a lot of fun with it. But if you really want to get good at it, you've got to stay with it. You know, no matter what you do over a weekend, you're not going to learn to speak French. You know, so it's going to take a little time. So it's the same with metaphysics. It's it's this beautiful journey, and hopefully it becomes a lifestyle. It becomes part of your life. I think that that's a really, really important point because Samantha and I have talked about this a lot. One of our favorite things is that you can never learn everything there is to know. You can never be the best. You can never tap out with this. And that seems exactly what you're saying is that it's a growth, it's an evolution, it's a practice. I noticed that a lot of your work is based on the seven spiritual arts. Could you, that's a prerequisite for some of your other courses. And right, could you right, discuss right. that a bit? Sure, sure. So, you know, we know well the seven liberal arts, let's call them that, right? And they're, uh, Today, they seem a little downplayed. People want to get trained in what they're going to get their jobs and make money and all that kind of stuff. But the goal of the seven liberal arts was to train the mind to think, to think critically, to think logically, so that you're intellectually prepared for the challenges of life. How do you deal with a problem when it comes up? How do you solve this, that, and the other? The idea of the liberal arts was to build that, that mental strength and stamina. Well, the seven spiritual arts are to help prepare us for the spiritual challenges of life. How do you handle things from the different points of view? Because life, you know, from our point of view, earth is like a spiritual schoolhouse. And all our lessons from the time we're born to the time we pass on from here, all our experiences are part of the soul's growth. Well, we're not generally trained in how to handle that, you know. So what if we realize maybe this relationship is karmic? 
we're going to handle it quite differently than we just want to point fingers and say, see, you're the problem in my life. You'll take a very different perspective. Or if you're talking about angels, realizing we don't walk through this life alone. The Talmud has a beautiful uh, line that says, for every blade of grass, there's an angel bending over saying, grow. You know, we're supported on the journey, even though we have to do our own growing. Now, the foundational work we teach is meditation, meditation and prayer, because that's the centerpiece. If one of the foundational things we teach is, which all metaphysics teaches, is you're not your body. You inhabit the physical form in the same way you may inhabit your car. Who the real you is the the mortal immortal you is the soul. But you have to get in touch with that. Sometimes we identify too much with the form and we don't realize there's an inner essence. Meditation and prayer helps us get in tune with that. So the work with the auric field is sort of the foundation of everything that we do because it's the energetic blueprint of the soul. And if we want to make a change in our life, you first have to make that change in your aura, whether you realize it or not, before it'll manifest outwardly. So I'll uh, give you an example. Um, Barbara's oldest brother was an opera singer. I mean, he had like a voice like Caruso. So he was already born with a great talent, but that didn't mean he was a professional musician. So she was watching his aura over time as he was practicing his art, and it was getting stronger, and the creative energies were getting stronger and stronger. At one point, she just said to herself, his career is going to start real soon, and it did. But he had to build that part. Now, he probably thought, I'm just building my vocal skills, but there was an energetic connection to that. Yeah, that's so important. It all starts in our aura and our auric field. And we can, I mean, your classes teach people how to tune incense and and really work with them in a very, very profound way. In terms of meditation, there's so many types of meditation, right. you know, right. guided right. meditation, active meditation, chanting meditation. Do you think for beginners, one is better than the other? Or do you think well, any form is beneficial? Well, it depends what you're looking for, just like anything. And also the temperament. You know, if you're just working an 80-hour-a-week job and you're just trying to be calm enough to just <laughs> handle, you know, you might lean to something that will help you achieve that. If you're looking at it metaphysically, you have to ask, well, why are you meditating? What is the goal of meditation? And what actually is meditation? So in our work, again, we we, we what we do is actually called meditative prayers because Prayer is a petitioning to the divine. You are reaching out to connect with the divine. Meditation is the complement. It's the receiving. So if I'm saying to the divine, gosh, I need peace in my life. I need, you know, okay, that's like a petition. Then the receiving of it, the energy of that peace is the meditation parts. So in our, in our work, we, we make a prayer request. So let's say I do need more peace. I'm feeling very agitated, very nervous right now for whatever reason. I'll call on that peace ray. In the aura, it comes through as a purple light. So this beautiful purple energy will start to come into your aura. But then you do have to try to live it. You know, meditation is not like a pill. Oh, it just does it for me. But it starts to make the changes. The example I like to give is, let's say you need to ask for a raise at your job. And you just seem to you know, kind of chicken out every time you have to go into the boss's office to ask for that raise, even though you know you deserve it. Well, in the aura, you might be lacking in an energy, the energy of confidence. 
which shows in the aura as a gold light. If you're a confident person, if you're one of those, no, I'll do it, even if it's a little scary, I'll do it, you'll have that gold in your aura. Well, let's say for some reason I don't. You can meditate with the gold light, bring it into your auric field. Now, it won't automatically make you, you know, but it'll give you more of that oomph so that maybe you do go in there and ask for that raise. So that's the kind of thing, the meditations, we, we meditate with an intention, and there are many different rays to work with. So there are there's sort of an art form to this. Uh, there's a little bit of a learning curve. It's not just learning a mantra or learning a breathing exercise. Uh, and I tell people again, I, my music, I say, look, like if you're trying to learn the piano, you first got to learn the scales. So give yourself a little learning curve to get the meditation down. And then it'll really, really take off. I mean, I've been meditating with this technique almost 40 years now. And I was very excited when I started, and I'm more excited now. So it just keeps deepening because it, you start to get more in tune with the inner workings of all that's going on. Not everyone, but many of the students may actually see some of the energies coming in, you know, when they're working with them. And that, that's often a reason why they pursue it. Gosh, I saw this blue light. I don't know what it is. I know I wasn't hallucinating. I know it wasn't something in my eyes. I was seeing something. And that kind of helped got the, get them on the path in a way. That's really, really interesting, because I, I heard years ago that everything is held in our auric field, our health, our wellness, our past lives, our karma. And if you know how to tune into that, to tune into that frequency, that's why as intuitives, you're, you're actually reading that auric field around someone. One thing, I'm going to jump the fence a little bit to a different yeah. topic, is one thing that I'm hearing a lot of people give voice to lately is connecting with the Christ consciousness. And I, I hear it in a lot of different ways being used. So mm -hmm. could you yeah. chat a bit about that? Oh, I just have to smile a little bit because I've been doing this for a while, right? Mm -hmm. And um, we've been talking about this for, you know, Barb's been talking about it since she started, and I've been working with her for 40 years. But boy, 20 years ago, you couldn't talk about this. They would think you're, you know, some kind of whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And the very fact that we can, you can, you're even asking this question, and it's in in the ethers now. We did a workshop on it last year. It was a little bit of an experiment to see, well, how will it go over? I was amazed at how well people were ready. You know, there's a timing for everything, right? So we're in that era now where people are ready for this, and it's just very exciting to see because it means the whole metaphysical movement is maturing. I think that other generations also coming up, they want more, they want to get more serious with her. I, I did a, we did a, I did a radio show with somebody did 20 years ago. And at the, that point it was only about the aura. That's all they wanted. You know, the, the audience wanted to hear about. Now they want to hear about spiritual growth. We tried to teach at 20. No, no, I want to talk about the aura. And now they <laughs> want growth, you know, so it's a great thing. Now, <clears throat> the fact that it's being talked about, you're right, doesn't mean necessarily mean people understand what it actually is. So first of all, again, I'm going to give you the perspective. Now, I do want to share, yes, what we teach is based on our experiences, but also on a tradition. So we are following a mystical tradition. It's not something we're sort of making up ourselves. Um, we're the tradition, the way we use the word Christ in our work, it's non-denominational. So we're not speaking of a specific religious practice. Mm -hmm. um, the word is a Greek word. It's Christos. Uh, it means anointed. Anointed was originally the idea that the Messiah 
would be anointed with the oils and that idea of the anointed one, but, you know, in this case, the spiritual anointing, uh, that's where it sort of came from. So you're, you're being, there's an anointing of something that's extremely precious, extremely valuable, extremely necessary for our evolution. The other point to bring out is we all have a contact with this consciousness, regardless of our belief system. Well, you could be the hardest core atheist and still it's a part of you. You know, what you believe in doesn't necessarily mean what you could say, I have no heart, you know, but you either have a heart or you don't. It doesn't matter what you're believing. It's matter what's the truth, right? So, um, or it doesn't matter the culture or the faith or any of that. We all have this consciousness within us. What it does, <clears throat> so the, the best way to describe this is, okay, we're at, a, we're at a certain state of awareness right now, either on our path or in our life or how perceptive we are about life. We're striving to become more aware, more conscious. When we talk about these enlightened states, they're heightened states of awareness. What got me on my path were these inexplicable moments of heightened awareness, which I had no control over, but was telling me something was really going on, and I couldn't ignore them. Now, what is it leading to? Well, the the core, again, I'm going to use another word here that sometimes people have a very charged reaction to, which is kind of strange, but the word God. You know, we hear that word God, we can think, oh my gosh, there's a Spare the rod, spoil the child. You know, we can be, we can have all these kinds of thoughts in our mind, but for a moment, if we cut away all the human conceptions and understand that there is, there is an, a divine intelligence, there's a divine creative process that's helping to not rule and lord over us, but help guide the whole evolutionary process of which we are a part of, and that if one of our goals as metaphysicians is to come into an experience of this presence, not when we die, but here, the Indian mystic Yogananda said the goal of life is to see God face to face while in a physical body. Now, I didn't mean a literal face, but he meant that God within, that knowing, that God that's closer than hands and feet. Well, if you think of that experience like, you know, this overpowering major massive thing and here we are in our human consciousness we need an intermediary we need something between that god experience and us now to act as a link so that we can move into that higher state of awareness and that's the job of the christ consciousness it's to bring you into this higher awareness and you awaken it yes you meditate meditation helps but you awaken it primarily through the seeking of truth, through wanting to see life as it really is and not the things you would like it to be. <clears throat> the Indian tradition speaks of <clears throat> when we look at the five, the physical world and, and says that's all there is, the Hindu mystics call this the world of Maya, the world of illusion. Not that the world itself is an illusion, but if you're looking at it through this narrow band <clears throat> and saying that's all there is, that interpretation is an illusion. And you must drop that illusion to see the world as it really is, the Brahman, the, the, the ultimate reality. And when you do that, you reach an enlightened state and you become like a drop that now goes back to the ocean of life, where, where our soul's like a drop 
and then the ocean is waiting for us. So you need that bridge, and the Christ consciousness does that. Very interesting now, we're talking a lot about truth. You know, in this information age, it's kind of scary to think that lies travel the internet six times faster than the truth. Because a lie is usually accompanied, accompanied by something very sensational. And if there's something sensational, instinctually, it's like a, it sort of grabs our attention, even though it's just a complete out and out lie. And sometimes, unfortunately, the bolder the lie, the more sometimes people will believe it. I mean, I believe I read somewhere there's 100,000 people right now that are members of the Flat Earth Society that literally believe the world is actually flat. We got it wrong with everything else. That's an interesting thought, right? So that's a mind, that's a perception. Well, if you're trying to understand the reality of life, you've got to drop those false perceptions. And the Christ consciousness helps you to achieve that. So every time you're willing to say, no, I don't want to, you know, I want to see things as they really are. It could be as simple as, let's say, you're, you, you're in love with somebody and you've got the rose-colored glasses. You say, oh, they love me, they want me, and everyone sees, I, I don't think that person really wants you. <laughs> that's, that, that's a veil, right? And then you have to have what? The rude awakening. Oh, boy, why did that person do that? If they really cared for me, and then you start to realize, well, maybe I had it wrong. That's the dropping. And it can be painful, those moments. But again, what we teach in our classes is, you know, truth sets, you know, what the Bible says, the truth sets you free. There's a stinging moment when you see what you thought you believed was the truth really wasn't. And then when, but then you're a better person for it. You're more mature. In the case of, I spent all this time pursuing this person it was never even meant to be. Oh, I'm free. I can go look for somebody that really is I'm meant to be with you've actually opened another door. So we've got to do that. The, right now, this information age is calling us to pay a lot more attention to what is true and what is false. And I think that's part of the reason this Christ consciousness is becoming more, uh, more a fascinating topic, because that's the tool that helps you do that. That's a beautiful, beautiful explanation. You know, I met a flat earther a little while ago. <laughs> yeah. It was fascinating to talk to them. They believe so strongly in what they believe in. Nothing's going to convince them. And, you know, a part of me kind of envies that because I always say to, to anyone who will, wants to know, the only thing I know is that I don't know. Right. right? Like, like, I don't know everything. I don't know. I, I know what I think and what I believe and but I don't know. And people who just hold on to these illusions with so much conviction, I just find it endlessly intriguing. And right. I think you're right. Truth, we have to be truthful about the world around us, but also about who who we really are. I mean, that that is the the end goal, I think, of everything, whether it's metaphysical or not, right? Exactly. Well, that old expression, ignorance is bliss. Well, it's bliss up to a point. And then we're wondering, though, why our, our life may be a mess in another area. And we're realizing we're, we're misunderstanding. Look, the, what, I, what we teach in the, the metaphysical path is not an easy one. It doesn't mean you're going to be automatically rich or famous or those things could happen. But when you do see life more clearly, there is an internal satisfaction that nothing can duplicate that because you know you know it's not no one has to tell it to you you know it for yourself 
and there's a sense of internal maturity within yourself you know okay it takes us how many years to grow the physical body but that's the body right the the mind the soul continues to mature throughout our life we are meant to not only leave this earth better than the way we found it we're meant to leave this earth in a higher level of consciousness than when we started and that will take effort and yes you're right there may the awakening is an interesting story about a gentleman that would do all these petty crimes he was young and he did all, and he would wind up in jail not like prison prison but he would wind up in jail his family his friends everyone was trying to say why are you doing this again you know he just didn't get it right but he said one time i was in jail and it was thanksgiving and they shoved under the bars a sort of makeshift Thanksgiving dinner, and a drumstick got caught on the bar. And I don't know what it was, but I, the image of that just made me say to myself, what am I doing here? He never got arrested again. So you see, that was his moment of truth, right? That was when he saw things for what they really were. There's that other very famous story about the guy that thought there was a a pedophile ring in the basement of a pizza parlor. I don't know if you remember that Pizzagate story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? He actually went in with an armed rifle, right? Scared the hell out of everybody there. And he, he saw a, a door. He said, open that door, thinking it's the basement, you know, to go in. Well, they opened the door. Not only was there no pedophile ring, there was no basement. It was a closet. But what was interesting was his reaction. Now, he laid down the weapon. The police came and everything. But his and this guy had no record. He was a good, you know, there's nothing, no hint of anything of this, right? But he was binge watching all these things going on. But the reaction is what I'm, I'm is interesting. Initially, he said, Oh, I got my intel wrong. So he still believed it, but he just figured something was there. But by the time he was put in jail, by the time it went to trial, he woke up. And by the trial, he understood what was really going on. So there was his awakening. There was truth creeping in. It was there all along, you know, and opening it. And again, that must have been a very painful thing to come to that realization uh, after what the, the embarrassment he must have made to his family and himself and everyone around him. But it was also a moment of truth because he, I'm sure, learned I've got to be much more discerning what I choose to accept in my life, what I choose to reject as the truth. And that's part of this building of spiritual awareness. The more you are rising in your consciousness, the more you'll see things as they really are. So what's interesting is that you're talking about the individual work we do through prayer, through meditation, through connecting with ascended masters, Christ consciousness, all that is. And there's also a part to this that, and I love I, and appreciate so much that you said it's non-denominational, because that's my viewpoint as well. We can all access these energies, and it you don't have to be sitting in a specific group of people that worship a certain way in order to access that. The angelic realm, and, and that's another thing, that people have religious connotations with what the angelic realm, what the angels are involved Personally, I think they're here for all of us. They're here to help each one of us. And when you mentioned that the the point right now is to raise the consciousness, to raise the vibration, I think the angels are here to help us do that. This brings up a huge subject. One of the seven spiritual arts is the the uh, the spiritual hierarchy. 
Okay, so the way to think of this is uh, the Kabbalah has a beautiful saying. It teaches the stone becomes the plant, the plant the animal, the animal the man, the man the God. There are ascending kingdoms of evolution. And it's all part of what the ancients used to call the chain of life. And it's all under, under God, shall we say. And yes, a, a particular religion may worship it a particular way, but it's for all humanity again. So, for example, the animals that we all love so much and may have as our pets and everything. Okay, we, we clearly share a lot of biology with the animals. But if you saw the aura of an animal and the aura of a human, you would say these are not even in the same kingdom. We're not in the same. The animals are not in the same kingdom as the human evolutionarily. But human, as we may realize, is not as good as it gets. <laughs> there are kingdoms above the human, and one of them is the angelic. So these are souls on the evolutionary path, but they have reached a higher evolutionary status than we have, and they become our brothers and sisters in light, our, our elder brothers and sisters in light. And their job is to help us evolve because they are further along. They're not God. We don't worship them like God. They're not all-knowing. They don't know everything. But they are more imbued, and they can see things better than we can. And by the way, we're supposed to help the animals in the same way, because yes, we may think it's about hugs and kisses and feeding and this and that, but there's an energetic exchange. The animal, like your pet, is looking to you for evolution because it is learning its lessons by the light you're transferring because you're in a greater kingdom than they are. So it's all connected. It's all. And the other thing to share is we think of angels as supernatural. And the better way to think of it is they're as natural as the flowers and the trees and the grass. They're just operating in non-physical dimensions, but they are part of nature too. That's beautiful. Does your newest book, Heaven and, and Your Spiritual Evolution, has such beautiful artwork in there, by the way. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and, and how you and Barbara decided to write it? Yeah, well, thank you. First of all, a, a hail out to Jonathan Wilshire that did the illustrations. His whole career has been kind of painting the spirit world. And we would give him you know, what we wanted in there and the descriptions of things. But boy, he tuned so beautifully into it. They're oil paintings too. He didn't do this in Photoshop. He did it the old fashioned way. They're hanging at the Institute now. Well, you know, a lot of the arts, the spiritual arts are focused on a specific thing like, okay, like angels, auras, healing. But this heavenly spiritual evolution steps back and tries to give the bird's eye view of metaphysics. Why are you even studying metaphysics? What does it even mean to be on a spiritual path? So that tries to answer that question that all of us are on an evolutionary path. Our soul is on an evolutionary path. And that path is connected to the greater world beyond this physical and what we're learning here in the physical world. One thing we would say is evolution is this gradual, not only refinement of the soul, but it's evolution through the various dimensions of life. And right now, for example, we are vibrating at a particular energy level right now. So let's say if it was my day to cross over to the other side to go home, I take the light I have today, not what I had yesterday, not what I might have tomorrow, what I have today, and that would determine where on the other side I'll find myself. 
it's not reward or punishment. It's like attracting like. So the most precious thing we can do on this earth is earn light, spiritual energy. We're not going to take our fame, our fortune with us, our belongings. The pharaohs tried that one. Didn't work so well. <laughs> but we are going to take our light. So the goal is, and that's really what we teach at the Institute, is spiritual growth. If you've had the calling, if I were to leave one message from today's you know, discussion, is if you've had your spiritual awakening, that's not accidental. That's the divine knocking on your door. Do something to pursue it. Try to make it a bigger part of your life because it's going to bless every part of your life. So true. That's so beautifully said because we speak a lot about do whatever you can to raise your vibration to help someone else raise theirs, which is finding that light. So what prompted you and Barbara to start the spiritual arts? Right. Well, I'll briefly, so just to tell a little bit my backstory. So I, you know, I was born of Greek parents and raised in the Midwest. And, but I, I was very, I was very musical and uh, I used to play classical piano. And also I was, um, wanted to be in the movie business, you know, and, and things actually were going well in the beginning. And so where do you go? You go to California for that. So I, I went there, uh, not knowing anything about metaphysics at that point, but, you know, as you know, in the arts, you're always kind of looking for that intangible thing, the thing you can't put your finger on. And um, so I was already in that mindset and I was having what I was calling these inspiration moments where it was kind of, again, a heightened level of consciousness. It was like the wind, it came by itself, it left by itself, but eventually it got so strong, it was a, it was a serious you know, spiritual awakening. I call it my Saul in the road to Damascus moment. But still, I initially still didn't have a name for it. But my my world perspective had fundamentally changed. And when someone kind of said, oh, it's, that's metaphysics, that's it. And I couldn't get enough of it. I was studying everything I could. About a year later, I was invited to a dinner party. And Barbara was there. You know, she's a generation older than me. And she led the meditation. It was like opening this ancient door. And then I started to sort of pour my heart out to her because I had all these questions and this and that. She commented later, you know, I thought, oh, that was a great discussion. Well, you were interrogating me that night. Um, but what I started to realize, she was speaking from her own experiences. And she was also helping me to put a perspective all these things that were happening to me. And then I said, okay, she's my teacher. I found my teacher. I found my spiritual teacher. So we jumped in right away. Uh, but I started to also realize Oh, I'm meant to be part of this from a, you know, it's almost like you're not just a student, you're a pioneer too. And then <clears throat> she was a writer, beautiful writer, of course. I'm a writer. We started writing together. And after a while, for a while, I thought I'm going to try to balance metaphysics and, and movies. But uh, my, my buddies in metaphysics and movies thought I was nuts, you know, going into this other stuff. So, um, I realized, you know, I think my destiny is more into metaphysics. I think. As my, I'll always love movies, I'll always love music, but I think it was this other journey. Barbara had no books at that point, nothing written down. It was all oral and headbow encyclopedias of notes. And we said, so we got to organize this. So we did. And uh, what I didn't realize, she was also training me to be a teacher. I wasn't seeing myself as that at the time. And also to kind of succeed her after her, you know, her she's not in the public platform now but she's still writing and we're still doing things together. Uh, and then it started 
spiritual arts. Initially, we were a um, partnership, but then people were just, you know, donating. So, well, we're not a nonprofit. Well, they just wanted to help. So, so maybe we should be a nonprofit. And we did that. And then also way back in 2006, long before um, the COVID era and the Zoom thing, we started opening up the video conferencing because we would do these book tours. We'd meet these wonderful people. And that was sort of, bye. You know, there wasn't much you could do. But when you had the, the in those days, it was mega meeting. I don't even know if that company's around anymore. Um, it started just, you know, blossoming. And then after a while, we were in Los Angeles Barbara kept saying we need a uh, we need a center we need a physical base so we didn't we were just rent places as we needed them so there was an opportunity down here and we yes we open up we have a facility here with the state of the art video conferencing you can join online in person and now we're in this phase of really again by things you brought up like what is the Christ consciousness there seems to be more of a thirst than ever before now so we're actually well positioned for uh, where things are going. That's fantastic. Again, when you're living in your truth, I feel like life unfolds yeah. exactly as it as it should for you. Now, Denise has this saying that she's becoming known for that I love, uh, <laughs> that she often uses when something magical, miraculous, or mystical happens where she says, you just can't make that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> And I'd love to know if you have some examples of moments in, in your life where you're like, oh, you just, you know what? You just can't make this shit up. <laughs> it's like every day is a little bit like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, to, to touch back even before that, it is important. I know it sounds, these some of these things sound corny or like platitudes, but follow your bliss is important. You know, if I didn't follow the journey to be a filmmaker and go to California. I wouldn't have met Barbara. I may not have had my awakening. You know, what you have to realize is when you pursue something, it may not be the end of the road. It may be, you know, what I love about like the idea of a labyrinth as opposed to a maze. A maze leads you nowhere. A labyrinth has all these twists and turns, but it's still getting from point A to point B. So what you have to be is flexible, you know. Um, you have to be willing to change, but keep pursuing, keep doing. And also don't throw your logic out the window. I see, we see a lot of people, they're so smart in their, let's say their business life, but when it comes to their spiritual life, it feels like they can't apply that logic. Of course you can. You're just leading more with the spiritual, with the inspirational. I've had so many, I don't want to call it serendipity or whatever you want to call it, where things sort of just start coming together because like you're saying, you're you're in your zone. Doesn't always mean the road is easy. I do want to emphasize it. So if you're looking for it, so it does take a little courage. At the same time, if you think of life itself as more of an adventure, and the goal is to keep going and not stop, you know, you may retire from a job at a certain point, but you're not retiring from life. And okay, you did that job, you got that gold watch, whatever it is, you know, but you're gonna keep moving. The, the universe will conspire for your success. The, the expression goes, fortune favors the bold. So it's okay to also even make mistakes. The only thing the higher is shared with us, we see, you some, we see you sometimes making the same mistake 20, 30 times. So the idea is, okay, not that I made a mistake, but did I learn from it? Very true. On your website, the Spiritual, 
naturalartsinstitute.org. What I love is that it's a commitment. Your your programs are not just a, a weekend workshop. You're really asking people to deep dive into exploring their connection with spirituality, with all that is, with and and also it feels like there would be a a beautiful sense of community for the people that experience this together. Yeah. Well, the community, that's one of the best things about this. You know, you're with a group of people and they're on their path too. I mean, what's more wonderful than that? What do they say? The ties of blood run deep, but the ties of spirit run deeper. Um, Now we do try to accommodate everybody. You know, we have books. So if you just want to read a book, we do have single workshops. If you just want to do a workshop for a day, but like you're saying, if you, really want to learn this you've, you've got to sink your teeth into it and you've got to give it some time and you've got to it does take some work i mean you've got to meditate every day you got to study the material it, it is like going to a literal school but when you're seeing the changes in your life and how many have said gee i'm not the same person i was and when i started that's your reward you're seeing the change and of course as a teacher any teacher would say when you're actually seeing them doing the things and seeing the effects in their lives that is rewarding for you uh give you just a little example it's more practical one one of our students it's a great story she had a palpable fear of crossing bridges you know especially over water right literal and she had to cross three bridges to get to her job (laughs) so there she went to therapists years all this she couldn't he shouldn't get rid of it well about six months of doing all the mystical and spiritual work she said one day i went to work and i forgot i'd even crossed the three bridges it was a no it was a non-issue so those are the the changes that we're seeing that you 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 can create the things you want if you have hurts if you have healing you know another wonderful thing is there's no place the, the divine light can't go if you've had a you know, some tragedy in your life or great difficulty or whatever, and you think, I'll never get over this. Well, it's an experience, of course, you will always remember, but you can get over it as far as please don't define yourself by what's happening in your life. You know, that's not the definition. And also, it's not the definition of growth. You know, if you're defining your growth by what's happening in your life, you'll be on a seesaw. You define your growth by how you're handling what's happening in your life and how you're moving things forward. Wow. I love the way you explain things. You you must be a great teacher then. <laughs> Thank That's you great. so much. And I had a great teacher too. <laughs> yeah. Have a great yeah. teacher. That is very, very true. Are you guys doing any more books or events coming up? Yeah. We've got our 25th anniversary edition of Change Your Aura, Change Your Life. It's going to be released next year, 2024. And then we got a series of other books coming up too. Yes. Wow, you guys are busy. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing so much of your wisdom. And I just, again, I really appreciate the way you explain and teach things. We will put a link to your to your school in our show notes and on our Facebook page. But again, thank you so much for coming on. It was my privilege. And thank you for the good work you're both doing. Oh, thank you. And everybody, please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.